0: All of chapter six, I mean, it goes from everything from your giving to your prayer life to fasting to your relationship with money to anxiety. And of course, when we get to these last two verses, uh, this is the end of this particular chapter. And what God was dealing with is that subject matter of anxiety. Uh, And I do believe it enters into our lives from time to time. We can become anxious over things. And of course, we know the scriptures teach us not to uh, become anxious, but there are times when it happens. And one of the things I want to challenge you with, and I was challenged with early on in my Christian life, is one of the ideas of being too busy for God. And sometimes we come to the place where we're just too busy for our Heavenly Father, and and we get to that point and we find ourselves too busy to really spend time in Scriptures. And I'm talking about your personal time. I'm talking about prayer time. I'm talking about reading the Scriptures on your own. I'm talking about that personal time with God. Sometimes we just get so busy. And by the way, a church service is not going to do it for you. There's preaching that takes place, and it's healthy for you. Uh, but God desires to have a relationship with you throughout the week. It's not just a matter of just coming to a single service and, and, uh, and thinking that we're always going to get something from it. And I, I, I know early on in my Christian life, when I first got saved, I didn't see the importance of being in the services all the time. I thought it was unimportant. Uh, and you say, well, the only reason you find it important now is because you're a pastor. No, I met with my pastor. I talked to him and he began to tell me the importance of the local church and told me why I ought to be in all the services and what the reason is behind it and what the scriptures teach about it. And, and he began to show me from the Bible how important it is that we come together in fellowship. And when the doors of the house of the Lord are open, we ought to be present. And we're not talking about sickness or illness or incapability. We're just simply talking about the fact that it's just a choice. I just don't want to be there for that many times a week and and yet God is offering Himself up through the preaching of His Word, through the fellowship of His people. And so pastor began to really teach me the importance of that. Now consider that how most of our busyness stems from wants rather than needs. And I want to challenge you on that thought. And I want you to really think about that. How often does our busyness come uh, from the results of wants rather than needs in our lives? And, And as I began to think about that, uh, it, it, it really can stem from desires rather than necessity at times. Things we desire to do rather than the necessity or the things that we really need in our lives. And listen, we need to be spiritually fed. We have a soul that God has given unto us, and he tells us to be nourished up in the words of faith. And we ought to understand that our, our soul needs to be fed. It's not like I can just go and stay in a drought forever forever. And hope to see the blessings of God or to really understand my relationship with the Lord. And I just want you to think about this. You can get too focused on possessions and material goods rather than necessities. And I know I've shared this with you from time to time when I moved from Loudoun County, Virginia. And by the way, it's a very affluent area. And it's hard to explain the um, obsessive amount of money that's in northern Virginia. I'm not talking about where I came from when I was with the church. That was a very poor area. I'm talking about where I was before I got saved, and I was in northern Virginia, and it was such an affluent area with an average home costing around $700,000. I mean, that's just obsessive. And, and you begin to think about those kinds of things, and, and what happens is is that material goods meant everything to everybody there, and what you gained, and, and, and we can get caught up in material possessions. But when I was leaving Loudoun County, I had now gotten saved, and God had called me into the ministry, and And I was driving this U-Haul down to Colonial Beach, Virginia. And as I was driving that U-Haul, I had the largest truck you could get. And I always teased my wife. I had to get the additional trailer because that was just for her sweaters to take them from point A to point B. And so I would tease her about that all the time. We had to get an additional trailer to hook to the back of that. And it was that and shoes, I think, those two things. So, and ladies can never have enough shoes. Am I right, ladies? You can't have enough shoes, right? And uh, so you have to have more than one pair. But, but nonetheless, as I was driving down there, I remember looking over into this field, and there was a sign there, and it was on a four-by-eight sheet of plywood, <laughs> and it was nailed up, and it was set up really, really high. And on it, it said this, huge yard sale, 40 years of stuff. Now, you know, when I was driving down there, I got to thinking, man, I got this largest U-Haul I can get, and I got the largest trailer I got back there for sweaters. And uh, just teasing. And so She's smiling. She's actually smiling. So, you know, I'm mad at me. But I, I was thinking as I was going down there, so, you know, when I moved out here, Brother Daryl and a number of others came over and helped me offload. And I had two, didn't I, Brother Daryl? I had two U-Hauls. And I had two of the largest trailers you could attach to the back of them. And the whole way I'm driving, I'm with my dad and we're driving out of here, And the whole time I'm driving, I kept having that thought go through my mind of 40 years of what? Stuff. Stuff. So we unload all that stuff and everything, and then so we decided we're going to get rid of some of the stuff, and then when we moved from the rental out to Botkins to our house, I said, I'm not renting another trailer. I'm not renting another truck. We're just going to put the stuff in my truck, and we're going to move the stuff that way. And for multiple weeks... (laughs) In fact, three weeks it took me to move that house. The rental. And I began to think how much stuff we have sometimes. How many of you men would admit in this room you have stuff in your garage or in your barn and you don't even know you own it? How many times have you bought stuff more than once and, and you don't even know that you possess it? And sometimes we're so focused on material things or material gain. And, and I got to thinking about this. We become anxious over what either we have or don't have. And and we come to that place in our lives and our anxiety comes from maybe a lack of money or maybe there's some that have money and they're thinking, man, I don't want to lose it all. I need to make sure my investments stay where they are. Man, this stock market, the way it's running and my 401k plan and I'm trying to retire. And I mean, just up and down. And our minds can go all over the place either by what we possess or the lack of possession thereof. And we allow ourselves to get so caught up in those things And God gives us a very simple answer to anxiety over life. (laughs) He really does. He gives us a very simple answer in the scriptures. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. (laughs) Think about it now. Let your what be known? Moderation. Moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And here's what he says. Be careful for nothing. Now that word careful in the scriptures is the word anxious. And so Paul you know, of course, Christ speaking here in, in Matthew, but Paul's saying over in Philippians, hey, don't be anxious over anything. But he does tell us this. He, said, uh, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. He said, pray, talk to God about what you need, right? But do it with thanksgiving, knowing that he's going to answer that prayer. Amen. Now, James tells us sometimes our prayers are not heard or our prayers are uh, futile because we want to consume it upon our own what? Lust, it's just stuff that we want or we desire. It's not necessarily uh, something that's necessary in our lives. And he said, but let your requests be made known unto God. And he says this, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. But it comes through Christ Jesus. So this anxiousness that we have sometimes about either what we have or we don't have or what we possess or don't possess or... Uh, and those kinds of things, God says, I want that to kind of not be a part of you as a, as a believer. I, I, don't, I don't want that in your life. In fact, he wants you to do away with it. He tells us in this verse, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You say, preacher, why are you talking about anxiousness? Because if you read from verse 25 to verse 34, it's talking about anxiety. It's talking about being anxious over things that God provides for us as believers, as believers, as lovers of God, that He'll take care of us. And there's things that we worry about that we ought not be worrying about. And we get so concerned over those things. Now, here's the challenge to our hearts this morning. Are there things that you put ahead of God by making it first in your days and not the Lord? What is it that I'm putting ahead of God in my life? And what are some things that need to be absent from my life and putting God first in my life? So what is it that I can do? Now, here's the challenge. Just allow God to be first every day. And, and I tell you, when you do that, it'll start to remove some of those anxieties out of your life if you put him first. So as we look at this verse, I want you to think about this. I think there's some steps that we can take to alleviate this. And the first thing is, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put God first in your life. Now, I don't know whether he is or not. I can only preach to you. I don't know where God is on your list. And he may be last on your list. He may be first on your list. But I'm sharing with you, To alleviate some of the anxieties that we have in this life, you have to put God first. And that's what he's talking about here, anxiousness, that anxiety that exists in our lives. He said, put him first. The other thing is, is I want to challenge you in this area. And this is something that I've learned through the years. and, And when there's a lack thereof, it creates complications for me. When there is the presence of this in my life, it seems to, no matter how complicated the situation may become, I know God's involved in it. And it's this, when I make decisions, when I make decisions, you need to involve God in your decision-making. Sometimes we make decisions apart from God, and when we do, sometimes they come with some harsh consequences. And what you want to do in your life is involve God in your decision-making. Make sure that you're really talking to Him. Now, when I say involving God in your decision-making, it's not about you going to God and saying, Lord, I've done this and I need you to bless it. That's not involving God in your decisions. (laughs) Involving God in your decisions is, is, Lord, should I make this decision? Is this what I should do, Lord? And that's a big difference than going to God and saying, God, I did this. Now, I'll give you a quick example. I had a couple come to me, not here in this church, but a few years back, and they came in and they said, Pastor, what do you think about bankruptcy? I said, I think it's foolish. I think we ought to pay men what we owe them. That's what the Bible says, am I right? (laughs) I said, I don't think you should file bankruptcy. Well, what about companies that do it and stuff like that? I said, well, they're wrong for doing it too. I think we ought to pay what we owe. If you owe somebody something, you ought to pay it. Amen? Amen. Isn't that what the scriptures teach us? If you owe it, pay it. And here's the thing. They then said to me, well, we already did it. And now they were upset with me because they'd already made this decision and then I told them what the Bible said. They didn't come in and tell me they had made this decision and it wouldn't have changed what I thought, but I would show them these things from the Bible and the reality is is that they didn't involve God in that decision and they just made it. And sometimes we do things apart from the Lord. And by the way, that is included on taking on credit, by the way. You ought to pray and ask God if that's what you ought to do. Not just do it and say, well, I'm going to do this and hopefully this will work out. Sometimes we put ourselves in a bad situation by not involving God in our decision making. And lastly, this thought. There are things that interfere with our relationship with the Lord. And one of the things you can identify, I can't do it for you. You've got to identify it in your own life. What are those interferences that stop me from really being alone with God or really spending some quality time with the Lord? And then you need to know what those are, and you need to avoid those interferences. Try to avoid them as best you can to keep them out of your life. So, here's the challenge. The first step to avoid anxiety is to put God first. Now, this is not something that you have to labor over, but simply fulfill it every day. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's not a harsh statement, is it? It, It's not even tough. And God says, as simple as this, Jesus Christ speaking here, he said, hey, if you want to get rid of anxiety, seek God first. Seek Him first. Seek His kingdom first. And so consider your daily routine and find a place you've not put God first and then reverse that behavior. (laughs) Say, you know what? God's not first in this. What is God not first in? Well, He's not first in my decision making or He's not first in my finances or He's not first uh, in my family or He's not first in my relationship with my wife. He's not first in the raising of my children. He's not first in the friendships that I developed. He's not first in, and I mean, you could go on forever, couldn't you? And the reality is, is putting God first in those things is so vital to our relationship with Him. And a lot of anxiety enters into our lives because we don't put Him first. Now, put God first in your life and let Him be the lens at which you look at everything through. You see, when you're reading the Scriptures, you're reading the Bible, and you're studying the Word of God, your lens changes about how you view things. But if I'm not really putting Him first, if I'm not reading His Word my lens at which I view things from becomes humanistic in nature. Even if I'm saved, I look at things with my humanistic goggles on and not with the lens of the Scriptures, not with the lens of truth. I look at it based on the philosophies of men or the philosophies of the world or my own personal philosophies or philosophies that have been given to me over time. But the best lens that you can look at everything through is through the Word of God. And so, putting that on first every day helps you begin to do that. It's not like it's going to just happen immediately. It is a process. From the time I got saved to my day-to-day, listen, God's still working on me. I'm not going to come up here and preach to you, I got a shiny diamond, because I don't. There's coal on the other side. And God is always wanting to work on us. Now, how does he work on us? through our time, our devotion time with Him, through our prayer time, through the reading of the Word, through the preaching of the Word, through the fellowship with other believers. God uses those as tools in our Christian life. And He helps us in that manner. He alleviates some of that anxiety when we do this. When you look at your life, you should view it through who the Lord is. Not who others think God is, but who is God? (laughs) Who is the Lord in your life? What is the Lord to you? What is your relationship to Him? One of the things my pastor challenged me on was this. Do you know the attributes of God? Do you know the character of God? When you know the character and the attributes of God, you've got to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? So when you talk about God and you talk about the attributes of God, you're talking about your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are the attributes of God? And why should that matter to me? Because it said, let this mind be in you, which is also in whom? Christ Jesus So, if Christ has this mind that he is equal with God, amen, and he's saying to us, I want you to understand who God is, it begins to help you to develop a right kind of relationship with the Lord. So, what is the things about God? Well, the Bible teaches us this, he is all-powerful. How many of you understand how powerful God is? You see, we, we look at things and all things have been set in motion and we see this, big ball that we sit on, and it's rotating, and the sun, and all that kind of stuff, and you're looking around you, and you're seeing all of this stuff, and who made the trees, and the star, and the sky, and you say, well, it tells us over in Genesis. Man, do you realize how powerful God is? How wonderful is he? He's so wonderful, he's so powerful that he made me. Not only did he make me, he gave me a soul, a spirit within me. And then he said, you know what? You're incapable of really standing up to my righteousness. I must provide you a way so that you can stay in a right relationship with me. And he gave us Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. God knew us from the inside out and knows us. And he made us. He marvelously made us. Amen. You wonder why pastors against abortion? Because the Bible says we ought to be. Amen. It's not because I'm trying to be angry at any person or that I'm just trying to be disagreeable for the sake of being disagreeable. But the fact is is that the womb is opened and closed by the Lord. Amen? And if he opened and closed the womb, and he says that a, a child is a gift from God, why should we rob people of what God gave us? It's insane, isn't it? See, it goes against how I feel, though. When I look to the Scriptures, He's all-powerful to supply power for service to Him. He said in Psalm 63, 2, To see Thy power and glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. And listen, the power and the glory of God are just marvelous. I mean, it goes beyond our comprehension. Do you ever look at a snowflake? How many of you have had an opportunity to really look at a snowflake? And to know that man has said there's no two alike. You know what? God may have done it, and you just haven't found it yet. Amen? And the thing of it is, is God can do whatever he please. Why? Because he's all powerful, isn't he? Amen. Now, I'm grateful to God this year in the state of Ohio that we've had some modest weather for winter, amen? amen. Keep it going, Lord. <laughs> We're almost there. March marches around the corner, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, and the thing of it is, is that God is all powerful. Not only that, think about the wisdom of God for a moment. To help you make difficult decisions, he's there for you. In Job, chapter 12, verse 13, with him is wisdom and strength. With him is wisdom and strength. Now, that tells me that apart from him, there must not be much, amen? Now, think about what the passage says. He says in Job, with him is wisdom. So, without him, it must be what? A lack of wisdom, isn't it? And he tells us, with him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Boy, when you open this Bible and you're having trouble or you're having problems, Listen, you say, well, I'm not sure where that is in the Bible, preacher. Come talk to me. We'll sit down. We'll reason together through the scriptures. I'll show you what God says. If I can't find it, I'll study it with you. (laughs) But I want to help you understand the importance of putting God first in your life. Listen, in all the decisions that you make, you need to put God first. Not only is he wisdom, he is merciful. How many of you are glad for his mercy, amen? He forgives sins. That's our God. Not only does he forgive sins, he forgives the original sin, doesn't he? He forgives that sin, that sin nature which we possess. He says in in Romans that it was imputed unto men. It came down to us. It came through Adam. We end up being destined for hell when we're born. (laughs) And the idea behind that is, is God said, I need to bring you back in a right relationship with me. And through his wisdom and through his power, amen, He showed his mercy (laughs) because he knows what we deserve and what he can do for us. It says in 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 9, For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not not turn his face from you if you return unto him. You see, salvation is just that, isn't it? It's a man returning unto God. (laughs) It's a human soul returning unto God. And then us as believers, God's looking for us daily to meet with Him, to to come and and spend time with Him, and and to turn from our sins and to turn unto Christ daily, to confess our sins and to repent and turn unto God daily. God's looking for that in our lives. Why? Because He's all merciful. I'm grateful for His grace. Amen? These are the characteristics, the attributes of God. He is all grace. (laughs) And you think about his grace, and I began to think about, he wants to make you what you ought to be. <laughs> that's the grace of God, isn't it? You know, when I first got saved, I didn't know things about this that I know today about this. But do you know, the more I know about this, the more accountable I am. <laughs> you say, that's how I want to stay ignorant, Lord. By the way, your ignorance is not going to help you. <laughs> You need to know what it says, amen? He wants that relationship with you because the Bible clearly says, grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The only way that occurs is by your knowledge of the truth of the Word of God. To say, well, I'm just going to remain ignorant. Well, you can certainly do that, but if you're saved, you're going to be held accountable for what you did and did not do with the Word of God. You say, am I going to go to hell? No, you're not going to go to hell, but I'm certain that there are crowns that you could lay at the Savior's feet that will not be available to you because you've not done anything with the great salvation that he's given unto you. So God wants us to use it. His grace is great. He tells us in Acts 4.33, he said, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to this. What happened was, is they gave witness of Who? Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. This is what the Bible says. They gave witness of Christ. The apostles did this. Now, notice this. He says then, and great grace was upon them all. The reason they had great grace is because they had a great witness. They testified of Jesus Christ. They testified of who he was. God placed this grace upon them, and this grace is available to you and to me. He is long-suffering. How many of you are grateful for that? Amen? And not long-suffering like you and me, because ours runs out of time, doesn't it? And and we'll do it for a period of time, but then we run out of long-suffering. But man, think about the long-suffering of our Savior. You know, Brother Bowler and I were standing out in the hallway, and he goes, man, this government just keeps getting worse and worse, doesn't it? I said, yep, sure does, doesn't it? And the thing of it is, it's just crazy today. Think of the lies that are told daily. And, And I'm not saying lies didn't prevail in the past, but, you know, our access to information is just 24-7 today, isn't it? And and, and so, we don't have anything truthful to tell you, so we're just going to make up stuff. (laughs) We're going to make up stories. We're going to make up lies. And listen, I don't care if it's Fox News or if it's CNN. They're all doing it. And really, where is the truth? Well, the truth lies right here, doesn't it? (laughs) Right in the middle, doesn't it? And and so, the thing of it is, is that whenever you think about this for just a moment, long-suffering... To sympathize with your weakness. You know what our weakness is as human beings? We have no ability to always tell the truth. We need Christ. We just need him. And the thing of it is, is when you look around, it's good to tell the truth, isn't it? Because when we're not, God says we are what? Liars. And then what does he equate a liar with? Satan. The father of all what? And the thing of it is, is that we need Christ in our lives to be truth-tellers. we got a lot of liars in our country today, amen? (laughs) And they're all around us. And the thing of it is, is let us not be susceptible to it. And how do you avoid it? Man, you got to have a close relationship with the Lord. That's how you avoid it. Not only is he long-suffering, the Bible says in Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy forgiving, iniquity, and transgression. Thank God he's long-suffering, amen? And he forgives, and what he's looking for is for us to turn to him. You know what else is great about him? He's all-knowing. He knows everything. And so we don't hide from God. And I had someone say to me one time, well, then why do I pray? I don't need to pray. Well, he told us to pray, didn't he? And he told us to pray without ceasing, and he told us to pray, well, why should I pray if he knows everything? Because he wants you to come to the acknowledgement that he is the one that you need in your life. Amen. He is the one that forgives sins, amen? You can't forgive your own sins. God is the only one that can forgive those sins. Now, other men can forgive me of my trespasses against them, but I'm here to tell you, God is the one that forgives. Amen. Why do I go to him, and why do I pray? Because I need to, and I need to stay clean, amen? Amen. And if I'm going to stay clean, I need to pray and confess my sins. And I need to be alone with Him. In fact, the verse that I read to you earlier, He said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and what? Supplication. You need to pray. You need to be praying continually in your Christian life. It's your relationship with the Lord. He is all-knowing to teach us His will. In 1 Samuel 2, 3, For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. (laughs) God knows everything, and he says, hey, what you're doing, it's getting weighed out, and you say, well, there you go, preacher, you know, if it's getting weighed out, my good against my bad, that's how I'm getting into heaven. No, you're going to get into heaven by who Jesus Christ is. Your actions are weighed as a saved man of what you've done with so great a salvation. If you have no desire to witness to somebody, listen, you ought to have a desire. There ought to be a desire in your heart to share the gospel with other people. Why? Because he said, ye shall be witnesses. That's what he told me when I got saved. And he tells me that I ought to witness to other people. I ought to have that desire to share the gospel. You say, well, I just do it through my lifestyle. Well, your lifestyle says something about you. But you know, whenever I go to court, if I just walked in and I had to witness for someone and I walked in and I said, just look at me, judge. I'm done. And I leave, and he said, what what was that? All you have to do is just look at me, judge. Just watch me for a few minutes, and you'll know my witness. I don't have to say anything. No, to witness means to communicate a message. (laughs) To witness is to tell somebody something. And God said, ye shall be witnesses. We ought to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We ought to have a testimony for him. He's all-knowing. He's also our comforter. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you need that sometimes? Amen. Amen. There's no one to talk to about it? No one to go to? Well, God's always available to you. He's always willing to listen. By the way, if you're saved, the comforter is with you. Amen. And you can speak to the Lord and you can tell him what's on your heart to stay close beside you. In John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever man i you know when somebody says that you can get unsaved or that you can lose your salvation what do you do with verses like that you have to pitch them out you can't say that and then say that you can get unsaved because he tells us when we get saved the holy spirit does what he moves in And the Bible says this in that passage. He said, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. You personally is what he's talking about. You as an individual. He's going to abide with you for how long? So if he's not with me, I'm unsaved. And then when he's with me, so you say, well, he's kind of hanging around my house, but he's not really in me anymore because I did this or I did that. And he's not with me anymore. But tomorrow I'm going to see if I can get him back in here. Reality is, is no, you're either saved or you're not. You either know Jesus Christ or you do not. And to know Christ is to get to the place where you say, you know what, I want to put him first. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring your thoughts together through putting on the mind of Christ. The scriptures, knowing them and believing in the attributes and the character of God, putting him first. You know, the Spirit will always help you put Christ first in everything we do. There's a song. Well, I think it's on the list tonight, Brother David. Uh, We've got it for this evening. And it says, I need thee every hour. (laughs) Amen? I want to change the song. I need thee every second. Amen? We need him. We need him constantly. Amen? And I'm telling you, folks, I need my Savior by my side all the time. I don't want to walk apart from him. I don't want to walk ahead of him. I want to be right walking with my Savior And listen, that comes through knowing truth. When you, in your day, comes to a close, and sometimes it comes with joy. How many of you had those days where you went to bed and you were just smiling like, man, that was a good day? Or you go to bed with grief. And we've done that too, haven't we? going to bed with some heavy hearts. But I want to share with you, whether you're going to bed with joy or relief, be sure to thank God continually. Thank Him because you need Him. You need Him in everything that you do. And you need Christ in your life. Listen, his presence, his graciousness is so good. He says in Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we sing that song too, don't we? Surely goodness and mercy. I mean, we need him. And we need that to follow us. You know, it starts, I think, in your thoughts. How are you thinking? You know, the Bible tells us to put off the former man, the old conversation which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. And that you put on the new man. Every day you wake up, get alone with him. Have your thoughts to be right. Make prayer to God first. You know, in Daniel, even in the Old Testament, in chapter 6 and verse 10, you know what it says about Daniel? Three times a day he kneeled and prayed. Three times a day he did that. He got alone with God. Now, I believe he prayed more than just those three times a day, but at least three times a day he got alone with God. And and, and what the Bible teaches us, he prayed and gave thanks before his God. And I noticed this in that passage when he says it. He said, as he did a four-time. You know what that means? It was a part of his life, wasn't it? If he did it a four-time, that means that he's done it before and he's continuing to do this. And the thing of it is, is that our prayer life ought to be a continuous life. Now, Psalm 55, 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry loud, and he shall hear my voice. You know, I, I see in the scriptures at least uh, that three times a day we ought to pray, but do you know the, uh, the New Testament even lifts it up further? Because the Bible said pray without what? These guys were at least doing it three times a day, and the Old Testament encourages us to do it at least three times a day, Right? Evening, morning, and or morning, evening, and what, noon? He tells us to do that in the scriptures, but, but the New Testament tells us we ought to be praying continually. We ought to have that as a part of our life. So Jesus ought to be the first and the last thought to your every day. In all things, he might have preeminence. Preeminence means he's above everything else in your life. He has that kind of importance. And how do you overcome daily anxieties? I think you put him first in your life. I, I want to give you another thought on this. Every choice you make needs to include the Lord. The second step to avoid anxieties is to involve God in your decision-making. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want you to consider when you're making decisions, are they based on your wisdom and desire, or are your decisions based on following the will of God? You say, well, that's kind of mystical, preacher. <laughs> Knowing the will of God, come on, man, that's, that's, that's out there. The Word of God is the will of God. If I want to know God's will for my life, I'll be reading his word. Why? Because his word is his will. And it's not just for me, it's for you. (laughs) It's for all of us sitting in this room this morning, this is the will of God. And so as I open it up, it's not mystical, it's choice, whether I want to read it or not, whether I really want to know what it says or not. And so I begin to open the word of God, and then I want to challenge you in this thought. Every choice you make needs to include the Lord. So consider when you're making your decisions, what's it based on? So I believe to answer this question, you have to consider the Lord's righteousness. And what is his righteousness? Because he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All the stuff you worry about, he'll take care of. That's what that's telling you. But it requires something of us, that we seek his righteousness. You say, well, what's the righteousness of God? Start opening the scriptures and you'll find out. Do you know when you say righteousness, you're talking about what's right, amen? You're talking about what it is that he desires for us to have in our lives, and so when you're talking about, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're talking about those things which are right. Well, what is right? Well, it's the scriptures. It's the word of God. It begins to open you up in areas. Now listen, some things that are in your life might not be in mine, and things that might be in mine might not be in yours, but what you're doing and what I'm doing may all be going against God, and it could be called unrighteousness. It's the wrong things. I wrote something down years ago. A man was preaching. I didn't get his name, but I wrote this down. And it's in the back of my Bible. I tape stuff in there all the time, but says, help us to do the hard right and help us to avoid the easy wrong. Sometimes it's easy to go do wrong, isn't it? But sometimes it's hard to take a stand and do what's right. And sometimes doing what God requires of us is hard, but it's the right thing. And so God desires that of us. So this is sometimes defined simply as justification or what is right, what's wrong. However, it goes beyond that what is right, I think it goes uh, to this level, the act of doing what is in agreement with God. It's opening up his word and seeing it and agreeing with truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is what? Truth, it's truth. And I, I believe righteousness is that. It's me seeing and then, you know, coming to that place where I'm in agreement with it but acting upon it as well, doing what it says. I believe that's righteousness. When I think about this, decisions apart from God is making decisions apart from righteousness. And regardless of, uh, of the type of decision, and when you decide apart from God, it often leads to anxiety. We get anxious. We, uh, we get to that place where it overwhelms us or we have a hard time with it. Uh, or what happens is we go ahead and we do it and then it comes with consequences. And consequences aren't always bad, But they come with consequences sometimes, and then the consequences that have been introduced based on me making a decision apart from God has really complicated my life. And what it is is that I made a decision apart from His righteousness. I did it apart from Him. If you are to seek God first, it's telling you to seek His righteousness first. It's His standard, what is right. Therefore, in your decision-making process, you must always consider what are God's standards in making this decision. What does God think? You know, it's far more important to find out what God thinks than it is to find out what men think. Now, I'm not saying men can't help you and they can't give you good counsel, but I'm telling you the truth. It's better to find out what God thinks first. <laughs> and knowing what God thinks is far more important than what men think. And I want to raise the bar on that. Even what men think about this. Amen. We are busy reading books about what men think about this or we're on the Internet trying to find out what someone else thinks about this, but it's far more important for you to read this and allow the Holy Spirit, which is your teacher, by the way, amen, Amen. to teach you some things about this because it's far more important to know what he thinks about his word than it is to find out what some other man thinks about his word or some book that's been written about his word or what's on the internet about his word. What you need to do is read his word. And by the way, if you're saved, you can understand the things of God because you're not carnal, you're spiritual, and God has given you a means to understand that, and he promised me in the scriptures that he'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever he has said unto you, and what he has said unto us is written in this book called the King James Bible. And God can bring it to our remembrance, and he can bring it to our thoughts. Now when I share that with you, if you are to seek God first, it's telling you to seek his righteousness. Therefore, in your decision-making process, consider God's standard. Think on times where you've made a snap life decision. Anybody ever do that? Am I the only one? <laughs> I decide I want to do this. Now, I'm the only dumb man in the room, right? By the way, ladies, I do some dumb things. Just ask my wife. She has a list that she gives me once a year. that says, here's all the dumb things you did. <laughs> but, man, we can make some dumb moves, can't we? Oh, yeah. See, George Ann does all the time. But the thing of it is, is you can make some dumb moves. And you know when they come a lot of times? It's when I just decide, that's what I'm going to do. How many of you, that's what I'm going to do? Right? How'd that work out for you sometimes? You say, well, one time I did it and it really worked out well. I turned left instead of right and I avoided the car in front of me. Good for you. But I'm talking about making life-changing decisions. And you did it on the fly you made that decision apart from God I want to tell you sometimes they have a terrible effect I know personally some things that I did without consulting the Lord and they have not worked out for me and the challenge to us is don't make those kinds of decisions and, and you think about it you should consult God when making decisions just think about this God told Adam and Eve don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right tells Adam that doesn't he He said, Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that day ye shall surely what? Die. Die. I don't think he failed to communicate that to Eve. But there was a day when Eve walked into that garden, am I right? And she walks over and she saw a tree to be desired. Let me tell you something, fellas. That's another man's wife. That's you on the internet with pornography. Go, go, go. A tree to be desired. And God said, stay away from it. He said, leave it alone. It doesn't belong to you. And we give ourselves over to that stuff, don't we? And we look over, and she saw it was a tree to be what? Desired. She was tempted. Now, I want to tell you about sin for just a minute. She was tempted by Satan to take a bite of that fruit, wasn't she? I want to tell you, there's a lot of temptations out there, ladies and gentlemen. and You have to decide whether you're going to take a bite of that fruit or not. And there are some things that if you read the Word of God, and the Word of God said there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and he said the day you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, that day ye shall surely what? There's a lot of good and evil out there, isn't there? And the thing of it is, as we look over to that tree, and Satan tempted Eve. But by the time Adam and Eve had Cain, Eve was tempted to walk away from God. Cain made the choice to just walk away. It gets passed on. And you think what you do doesn't matter? You think decisions that you make don't matter? You think things that you do in your life don't matter? They matter greatly. Now, how many of you are glad that we have a God who's merciful and forgiving? Amen. Amen. We have a God who does things for us that is all-powerful. He's amazing, isn't he? He's gracious, isn't he? All the attributes of God, you need to think of those things. Why? Because that's the relationship he established with you when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hey, he had to do something to get us back into a right relationship with him when Eve decided that that tree looked good, didn't it? He had to do something. He had to put something between us and sin. When you think about this, how then do you make decisions? I want to challenge you with this. Turn to James with me, real quick. James chapter 3. Hebrews, James. You go all the way back there in your Bible, you'll find it. Hebrews, James chapter 3. If you're with me, say amen. Look at verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. The word conversation, folks, is this. Your life and your lifestyle. He said, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Wisdom. Who is all wisdom? God God is, isn't he? Now, consider this. But, and there's a change in thinking, Right? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Here, he's showing us the function of it. I'm going to change my thoughts for just a few moments. But if ye have bitter, envying, and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now here we have the word, what again? But, another change in thinking. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without what? Hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness, who is righteousness? God is. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that do something. Make peace. Jesus made peace, didn't he? (laughs) Between God and man, (laughs) he's the peacemaker. He is righteousness. Isaiah said, come now then and let us reason together, saith the Lord. God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to reason with you. But he's going to reason with you by truth, not by vain philosophies of men. How many of you remember the story of Abraham trying to reason with God at one point, huh? He tried to bargain with the Lord at one point, And he said, Lord, if there be 10. He said, hey, if there be 10, Abraham. Oh, the heaviness of heart that came. Reality is, when you rely more on self than you do on the Lord, and you make decisions based on what you think rather than what righteousness is and the will of God, you're going to have struggles because you're more interested in what you think or what men think than what God thinks. When you need to make these life decisions, I want to challenge you, let your heart be turned toward God. Pray, think, ask the Lord what he would have you to do, and then make those decisions Don't give in to your own vain philosophies or the vain philosophies of men. They don't work. By the word, vain means empty, right? And so don't go to the empty philosophies of men. Consult your heavenly father and ask him what he would have you to do. And listen, I I think with all of my heart, it helps you to even avoid sin in your life when you consult with the Lord. And by the way, when you're thinking about Jesus, it's hard to think about sin. (laughs) If he's on your mind, it's hard to get involved in sin. Now, to come over the, to overcome those anxieties in life, I say get in the Scriptures, seek God first daily, and then stay away from situations that pull you away from your time with the Lord. Here it is. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And here's what robs us of today. I want you to notice this next verse. It robs you of today. Notice what the next verse says. This next verse robs you of right now. Take no thought, therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We get so much thinking about tomorrow that we don't accomplish what we should do today. Sometimes we're procrastinators because there's much to do and we figure we'll do it tomorrow and tomorrow there's much more to do. And we figure we'll do it tomorrow and then there's much, much more to do. Are you with me? And the thing of it is, is we think then on the morrow when we should have our mind on today. Amen? And, and, and I shared last week in a message with you, not that I've apprehended, but this one thing I do, getting those things which are what? Behind. Now he said, I reach forth toward that mark, toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I, I plan for a future, but I don't worry about it. And that's what he's talking about here. You have that anxiousness over tomorrow. And how many of you have not slept through the night because of tomorrow? And then tomorrow comes... And you're unable to really function because you spent all night thinking about tomorrow. And it it complicates things for you. The third step is to avoid interferences. There are many things that we allow to get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. And some of those are these interferences that I'm talking about. Consider what's interfering with your full surrender, your full witness, your full servitude to God. What's interfering with that? And, and, And you know, you have to make the adjustments and the changes. I can't do that for you. I can only preach to you what the truth is. And you have to make decisions in your lives. Consider what's interfering. Now, all these things. (laughs) I love that verse. And all these things shall be added unto you. What are all these things? Well, I don't have time to go back and read it, so I'm going to challenge you to do so. Go back and start in verse 1 and read through verse 34. All these things shall be added unto you. And we worry about stuff, and we think about stuff, and we ponder on things And the thing of it is, is we're thinking about tomorrow and never dealing with what's in front of us today. There are things that get in our way regarding our relationship with the Lord. And and, and listen to me, ambition can get in your way. Pleasures can get in your way. (laughs) There are things that get in our way at times. We can even have loved ones get in the way. My family used to come visit with me when I was in Northern Virginia out toward Leesburg there. And they would come into town and I would say, well, listen, tomorrow we're going to church. Tomorrow we're going to church. I wasn't a pastor. I said, tomorrow we're going to church. Slowly, what started to happen, Brother Dan, is my family quit visiting me on the weekend. They'd come during the weekday. So they came on a Wednesday one night. Guess what's on Wednesday night, Brother Chris? Church. I said, hey, listen. I said, we're getting ready to go to church. You go to church on Wednesday? How many times do you go to church? I said, as often as the doors are open, I want you to go with me. Ah, man, we came to see you. I said, let's go together. We'll go and, and and then we can go maybe get a sandwich afterwards or whatever, whatever you want to do. But do you know there are people that think that's unimportant? <laughs> you don't think being in the house of the Lord is important at all. If I go, great. If I don't go, great. They just don't see any significance to it at all. None whatsoever. And the reality is, is my family, truly you can ask them. My brother being one of them, by the way, he's in church a lot now. <laughs> But he he would tell me, and go, man, I came to see you. I don't want to go to church. I said, well, I do want to go to church. And if you want to see me, you can meet me down there. Finally, I was out here one time visiting with them. Sunday rolled around. I said, hey, we're going to go over. Pastor Rock had a church down there in Columbus. I said, we're going to go over and visit his church this morning. He finally said to me, he goes, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's all I was looking for anyway. I don't really go to church. I said, okay. (laughs) But I'm going. Well, we all want to go to lunch together. I said, I'll meet you there after church. You say, preacher, that is so stupid. Why would you do that? Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus loved his work so much, he died for it. You say, well, that's us. We're the people. I know. Where do the people meet? In a building called a church. (laughs) The building that we meet in isn't really the church, it's you. He tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He clearly tells us that. Now, I'm talking to you about seeking the Lord first, (laughs) putting Him first in your life. I'm challenging you to really think about your Christian lives. Are you putting Him first? How then do you avoid things, getting in the way of God and what he wants to accomplish? Well, it starts with salvation and then a surrendered heart. I mean, it's just you saying, you know what, I'm just going to walk with God. Let me give you a verse, and it's really meant a lot to me in my Christian life. You can turn to it if you would, Mark chapter 12. You're there in Matthew. just go over to Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 30 with me, if you will. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And you know, folks, in my office, I get an opportunity to get along with the Lord in the mornings, and one of the prayers that I have is, Lord, help me to love you with all my heart. Help me to do that, because I don't know that I do. And I've asked the Lord just to help me to do it with all my mind, because I don't think I do. And I've asked God to help me to do it with all my strength because I don't think i do it. And you know, I read this and he said, this is the first commandment. And when I read that, I'm saying, the Bible also tells me that if you love me, do something. Keep my what? Now, I just want to challenge you for a moment, just like I challenged myself. He said, this is the first what? This is the first one. And he said, if you love me, keep my what? Commandment. And he said, this is the first one. You know, I, I just want to challenge us. Are we seeking God first in our lives? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. This so is what he said. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I beg God every day, help me to do that. And then he said, there's a second, Is like this, he said, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And by the way, if you look at the first four, and you look at the last six, it's broken down into two parts. These are the two parts, one and two. <laughs> so if you say, well, we only need to obey the Ten Commandments, well... There's more than 10 commandments in the scriptures. And he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But I believe it starts with the first one. Amen. Amen. And you got to love him. You got to love him. You have to love him. Now, do not allow anything to interfere in your prayer time, your personal devotion time, or your relationship, or your service, and your witness for the Lord. And I believe what happens is, is we often can get consumed with tomorrow that we're not even doing it today. The Bible says this is the Lord's day and we ought to be able to at least do it today because this is a day that the Lord hath made. Amen. And we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. We ought to do something about the Lord's day. And I think what happens is we get consumed with the details tomorrow and today hasn't even ended and we haven't spent the time that we should with the Lord. I want you to go back to this verse in Matthew chapter 6 and I'll close now. Matthew chapter 6. He says, "But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow; for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof." I believe to avoid anxieties of this day, not let anything interfere with our time with the Lord. We got to let go of the details of tomorrow sometimes, and we need to live for Christ today. And I think we ought to take this verse in in, in Mark chapter 12 and really put it into effect and say, Lord, help me to love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Help me to do that, Lord. 2019, it's going to come and go before you know it. Amen? 2018 flew by, didn't it? It's going to come and go. And where are you going to be on December 31st of 2019? Well, I had a plan. (laughs) Did you involve Christ? Well, I had some decisions to make, preacher. Did you involve Christ? Did you involve him? Did you try to avoid some of the interferences that are keeping you, in your, keeping you away from your relationship with Christ? And then, are you getting him involved, putting him first in everything you do? Let's pray.